0: Well, I think one thing is it's good to be an optimist. That's helpful, but also realize that volatility happens. The reality is life is messy. Things
1: happen. Things happen big like COVID. This is Chan with The Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Max. I'm excited to,
1: you know, be a part of your plan. Yes. And today we're going to talk about people's finance plan. (laughs) A good segue. And speaking of that, as you know, right now with everything going on, layoffs, recession, cost of living going off, a lot of this is really destroying people's mental health. But one of the podcast episodes that you've done for your own podcast is why mental health is more important than money. And some people may not agree with that. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can't pay my bills, is not money more important than mental health? So that's what we're going to dive into. But before we do that, why don't you uh, tell the audience your expertise and how you got into the financial space?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a long, weird story. I want to be a, a change maker. Want to make a difference in the world, and in that, we learned about the coffee industry and started our own coffee shop, which is like probably the not the smartest move when you want to be financially independent to start a cafe. But we started that. The coffee shop's name was Overflow, and it was all about making a difference in the world. But in that whole thing, I'd realized I wasn't taking care of myself and we weren't able to overflow to other things because we couldn't take care of ourselves. Our own mental health was a little challenged. And so we had sold that business, learned a lot, learned about this infinite banking concept that helped us save, actually saved our business and helped us sell it. And, um, realized that there's a lot of things where money and our mental health are all interconnected, a lot of times people aren't even connecting the dots there, right? And it's just really interesting, even whenever I think about the idea of mental health and budgeting and money, we don't connect the dots, but yet it's, it is very much interconnected, right? The reason for divorce oftentimes is money, right? Which is Mental health kind of stuff, right? Maybe, and on and on. So, anyway, we are activists. We want to make a difference in the world, and doing it in an ethical way in the finance world seemed good. We didn't realize how corrupt the financial industry is, though.
1: Are you able to dive in more towards like why you're saying that the financial industry is corrupt? I mean, just learning. Like some of it is, you know, we're
0: told to divest. In, and put in like Tesla stock or this stock or that stock. And our self-worth is in other people's businesses even. And we're divesting from ourselves, and we aren't even keeping a solid foundation, stable foundation, because that's the way the economy is built on risk. It's built on hurry up and grow and not building it on stable footing. And that's how our budgets, our financial lives are too, is like why save when there's no incentive to?
1: You do make a good point about the why save when there's no incentive to, because you probably dive into this a bit more. If your definition of saving is just putting it into a bank account, a checking account, and just letting it sit there, then obviously that's not a good idea because then inflation is just going to eat it up. But for you, obviously you're the expert here. How can someone save smartly without, again, getting inflation, eating up all those savings you've built over time?
0: Yeah, I think that a couple of things you want to make sure of is, again, thinking about mental health is looking back and saying, okay, majority of people don't have an emergency setup in general, right? And so savings in just a savings account may, you might have some, what I call lazy money and you want to build that in. So, So there's a couple methods that I think about is like using and living off of 60 or 70% of our income versus 110% and using a credit card because that's just not smart, but we're told to consume, right? And then we wonder why we bought this thing, but yet it didn't leave us happier, but we got this high, right? And so having a good cash flow management system first is really important. So first, before where to put your money, it doesn't even matter. Having the good habits around, you know, the, this idea of richest man in Babylon, 10% of all your is for you to keep. So first off, start building the habits, healthy habits that are going to be in a good spot. And that's going to impact you in so many other ways, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, right? Then for me, once I have three months of emergency cash available in case you know something happens, Then I put a lot into what I call a properly designed or what a lot of people call properly designed life insurance policy that has high cash value and is designed like the right way. And then that's my second tier that I then use. It's used for all kinds of things for emergency, long-term emergency and other things. Right. And that gives me more stability for the next thing, which is riskier. As I have this little picture on the back, building our foundation, so then we can risk in the market if we want to. But we're not a, we're not worried if I don't know something happens that causes our the world to go crazy. You know what I'm saying?
1: All right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about COVID. <laughs> um, so in hindsight, how can someone like prepare for something like that? Right. Let's say a few years down the line... Obviously, not as catastrophic as that, but let's say there's a layoff, they take like months to get another job, maybe Mm something happened with family and they need to like work their house to like solve it or what have you. So, how can people like prepare for those types of situations? Well,
0: I think one thing is it's good to be an optimist, that's helpful, but also realize that volatility happens. And if you can control, that's great but the problem is and i've talked to numerous clients you know they don't do a maybe they do a policy or they don't do cuz they think they're going to live forever and nothing's going to happen to them right the reality is life is messy things happen things happen big like covid or it might not even be a huge you know like financial thing that happens to the us but it could happen to your city right a hurricane right i don't live in hurricane areas, so it's not going to affect me that much, or a flood, or you know, thing, a heart attack, things like that. You ever play that game, what do you do if, I don't know, zombies attacked for, you know, what's your plan, right? That This is a chain with a plan. What's your plan if this happens? How do we get out of it? And so my wife and I, we have those kind of conversations. Not, probably not going to happen, but if we've thought through it, Then we at least have an idea of how we can roll with the punches and making sure we're just not spending everything, having some stability in place, having a properly designed life insurance, if that fits to then leverage and use as both challenges happen because they will, or at the same time, opportunities happen because that will happen too. And so you want to have a good foundation so you can take advantage of opportunities and
1: unfortunately deal with challenges. Going back to what you said about like building foundational pieces and having good money habits. One of the things mm-hmm. that is common is the more someone makes, the more they get into debt, right? Which doesn't make any sense because like let's say you make sixty K and then you make eighty and then a hundred, you would assume that they would have more money, but you realize that a lot of these people actually are still living check to check, even though they have made more money incrementally over time. So what are some common mistakes that they've done to get themselves in that situation?
0: Well, you got to remember our world is all about consumerism. You know, what we say is healthy is how big are we growing, right? And I think that's a challenge in and of itself, right? Where the economy is all about growth. And if you look at the human body, if we keep eating, right? We will get fat, we'll get overweight, we'll be on drugs and things like that. It's not healthy. And so, having a good cash flow management system is really important. I mean, I'm okay with spending if you can, if you should, like if it's income is there. But a lot of times people are like, you know, I deserve it. So, I'm going to go buy this car that I can't afford because, you know, I deserve it. Well, No, the bank's going to tell you you deserve it and commercials are, but having a good system in place. So the numbers tell me, do I deserve it or not? That's why I love profit first. That's why I love thinking about the envelope system is it's just the numbers are going to tell us if we can do it or not, you know, and not just say, well, I'll get a, will just use a credit card. That's my emergency fund. And that's not healthy.
1: Yeah, I've heard people are actually happy when they get a credit card increase, right? But I'm thinking that's not your money. You're actually going to be more in debt now because of this credit card increase.
0: Yeah, and I see it all the time with clients, and I'm like, how in the world you make this much money? And I'm like, what do people spend on? And as our income is growing, I'm like, really, do I need to buy a bigger house? And that's the idea of living with enough. And I'm not saying, you know, we're not wanting to grow. But what is enough? What is good for us? And being okay and content with what I have, I think that's good. But also in a
1: growth mindset of I still want more, but I don't need to spend it all. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about like the envelope system, right? So can you walk us through more of that as well as other additional money management strategies to help people improve their mental health? Yeah. So
0: I think that one of the things that we've thought again, a lot about this and thinking about going back to COVID, right? So, so the world is in chaos in a lot of ways. You know, our tax strategies are chaos, the, or not the tax strategies, but are just figuring out taxes, for example, and, you know, different business models, all kinds of stuff. It's chaos. It's confusing even saving and retiring and putting into a 401k like try and figure out how a 401k works it's complicated then you go into healthcare system right and so i think it's by design that it's chaos actually and that's confusing haphazard anxious overwhelming and stressful that's why people are where the metrics of you know all of this mental health is happening is because there's just too much chaos going on, right? And we need to realize we are in chaos. We're like running in place, not going anywhere, right? And thinking we are, right? Again, it's confusing, haphazard, anxious, overwhelming, and stressful. That's a great acronym, right? But what we need to do, and something I've thought a lot about is we need to be still. We need to actually stop, And too many people don't even know how to stop because our world is told to keep moving, right? And we don't know how to even sit with our thoughts. And so what we call is the still method. And if you go to wealthwisdomfp.com slash still, you can download the method, but it is set your sights. This is your podcast, right? Chain with a plan, right? And if we don't know where we're going, have an idea, you know, that kind of thing, then or just running in place or hoping, and hope is not a strategy, right? So setting your sights. Where do you want to go as a as an individual with your money, with your family life, with your business, you know? And only you can answer that, right? So that's the plan, right? Setting your sights. Then you have to track your in and out. So it doesn't matter if you have a plan, but you gotta track. So track is, you know, the budgeting part, the things that people hate. Right. They don't know on a budget. But I not call it something else. You know, managing cash flow. Like that's I believe Jeff Bezos and the rich people, they do manage cash flow. They understand where that's going. And we are being tracked when it comes to on Facebook, social media, all of you know, their tracking is important. So track your money, track your habits. Inspect mm-hmm. your progress. That is you know, not just tracking it, but inspect and and Say, what is it saying to me? What are those tracking? What is it saying? So that's inspect. And then look for 1% adjustments. It's the little things that happen. Like we didn't just all of a sudden get to this mental health crisis, right? In our world. It's 1% adjustments in the wrong direction is really what happened. And so we need to look for 1% adjustments in the right direction. And then the last L is live deliberately. If we live deliberately, and that goes back into the other part, then as we're deliberate in our money habits, we're deliberate in our actions, deliberate in where I put my money, whether it's an infinite banking policy or whatever, that's going to
1: help me. For sure. So going back to what I was going to say, one of the things right now is- People think that housing is out of reach, at least where I, I live, right? Because I live in Canada and the housing market is pretty expensive right now. Mm-hmm. So a lot yeah. of younger generation who are trying to get into the housing market, they feel like giving up because their salaries are basically not matching the pace of housing going up, right? So even though they have a mm-hmm. plan, they don't think it's actually going to come to fruition because of how. High, the housing is going up compared to their salaries. So, what is yeah. your thoughts on that? Like, is it still possible? And if so, like, what are some strategies that you can suggest to ensure to them that it's not as bleak as it seems? Yeah, I think some is why are we
0: going for some of these big mega houses, right? In the real estate world, we're told, well, you deserve three bedrooms and, you know, a hot tub and all of this. And we end up buying a house we can't afford. Right. And I think that sometimes good, but there's also this move of the tiny house movement where people are, you know, asking about what with the housing market. What do you really want? Is it a big house? Is it this or is it experiences? Right. Again, going back to the still method of what is it that I value? And maybe if you do want that starting to build the systems in place, the savings. Portion in place so then you can make that jump when it's time. I'll tell you, when we sold our business, we had plenty of money, right? Plenty of money, but we were in a transition. Trying to get a house for somebody who is a business owner, when you are changing jobs or changing businesses, it's really hard to get a loan. So we had to wait a year before we were able to buy our property and move from one state to another. It felt like our life was on hold right but while we knew but yet we were stacking up the cash while building our system and then we bought our house is the you might know this day march 13th of 2020 that was the day pretty much the world shut down is the day i was closing on our property and then yeah it was nuts best time to buy i was like this the worst time to buy or the best time the world's about to fall apart. uh, It's right the day COVID really hit in, if you remember that. But it was all about timing and being okay with, hey, we got to wait a year. Let's build the
1: pieces. So then when it is time, we can take it. As bad as it sounds, consumerism is more about that instant gratification, right? So instead of like working your Mm -hmm. way towards a goal, such as buying your first house, they'd rather have that fancy purse or go to a fancy restaurant because it's instant, right? But if you're making all these like instant gratification decisions, you're never going to achieve the long-term wealth that you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And that's again, why the still method is important. What do you want? And then you reverse engineer. So in order to get what you want, some things may not have may not be there and a lot of times again in our capitalist consumeristic culture everybody has a plan for your money and if you don't have a plan someone else will
1: one of the reasons of consumerism is to compare yourself to others right so if you got a fancy car then they want a car if you have the latest iphone then they want the iphone Mm -hmm. right it's like a competing game again like you said like companies have a plan for your money it's whether you have a plan for it or they're going to plan for you on how to spend it so how do you avoid all those distractions so you stay focused towards your goals? Because what's the way it is now with the digital age that like you got a lot of distractions. everybody's telling you to give the money to them while the yep. long and boring, even though that's where the most success is, people can't wait, right? Because of all these short-term distractions. So how can people like stay the course without getting distracted with other things?
0: Well, again, there's certain things where the metrics tell me what I need to focus on. And have you ever heard of the acronym for FOCUS? Um, I that's not familiar. So it's follow one course until success. Focus. Follow one course until success. What as business owners and entrepreneurs, we find or want to spend on little things, or we like squirrels, right? And the budget will tell me what we need to focus on, right? That one step in front of the other, and, and that 1%. So it's not saying I'm not going to buy this thing. It's I'm going to make sure that first this thing is going to build onto the next thing when it comes to building a business or a house. right? you know, this is what's crazy when someone buys a house and they're like, oh, I got this house. This is amazing. And then guess what they need to do right away? Furnish the house, which costs lots of money. And then they're like, oh, you know what I need to do next? I don't like this bathroom. Let's fix the bathroom. And they do it all at once, right? And so maybe it's, okay, how do I do this? What's my budget on not just the house, but all the stuff that goes in it when you buy a house and being okay with, it's okay, we're going to build into that. Or when my profit accounts from a business owner does, this is what I'm going to buy with it because my efforts, I can reward my efforts, not just spend like a drunken sailor.
1: Let's talk about some of the clients you work with and how you've improved their mental health. What are, yeah. are some common mental health obstacles or blunders that they've faced when they reached out to you? I work with a lot of married couples and you have the spender and the saver
0: and you know all of this stuff and one wants to deal with it, one doesn't. Some is just addressing the problem. The reason I think that we are in a world of hurt sometimes is people are just putting their head in the sand avoiding the pain which causes more pain so just it's almost like just showing up and dealing with it head-on is commendable and then some of the things i've even have as i do my financial analysis with married couples is i'm asking questions of dreams and goals concerns you know and i will say to people this is a good date night conversation right (laughs) you should have this conversation with each other to get yourself on the same page And so some is that an alignment. And then again, if you're in credit card debt, it can affect all kinds of other areas. Being in community is another one. I'm a caretaker of my mother-in-law and she had a stroke. And luckily she has us around, but it's that community that's helped her where it could have affected her. Mental health, not just her physical health, because of loneliness. So, having a tribe, a community that aren't just Reddit
1: people, but a real people that kind of have your back. For sure. And how long it takes for them to like go from like having a bad relationship with money, having a toxic mental health, and improving that to get to where they are today? I mean, that's a hard question because I think we're
0: all moving in a direction, right? And we all have um, toxic behaviors, toxic things that come into us, right? And it's a active thing of saying, okay, what am I doing? What am I consuming that's causing negative things and being self-reflective? Too many people, again, this is why the still method is good. It's a self-reflective tool to say, am I on track? Am I moving in this direction or those kind of things? But again, we want a quick fix and life is not in one spot, right? And what I also want to make sure of is if something happens to me, like, I don't know, I, I, something horrible could happen, right? And things have happened, but it doesn't rock me because my foundation is solid. Uh, you know, that's from a faith background for me. That's helpful having a solid faith, but having a good financial foundation, because I've had floods happen. And I could be like all depressed and say, well, this happened. Well, yeah, that's again, there's volatility, but I have a good foundation set, have a good structure of relationships and I'm able to overcome that. Now there's still stuff, right? But that's life. And I think that's why we're in a hard position is a lot of people are lonely. They're disconnected and they have no even relationship with their own money. And we have to like start connecting it. And Facebook connections aren't friends. Like, you know, the, I mean, to a degree, I guess. But um, that doesn't matter to me. The Instagram followers or YouTube, it doesn't matter. Like that closer group, I think that's a helpful thing. Anyway, does it relate to money? Yes, there's some of that. But there's you know, going out having coffee. Maybe that's a good thing for mental health and you budget towards that.
1: Yeah, again, you don't have to spend extravagantly to have a good time, right? I yeah. always say that it's not what you do, is who you do it with, right? So, like having mm-hmm. a cheap one or two dollar coffee, but you're having a good time with your friends is obviously going to be more memorable mm-hmm. than like going on an expensive trip where you're just trying to like take pictures for Instagram, right? Yeah, but again, our world is all
0: about like, you know, let me get this car and show you my Instagram car, and like yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Or you know, I have a seven or eight figure business. Well, how much did you keep is a bigger question. Mm-hmm. Not how much came through, right? But making and
1: keeping money are two different things. That's actually a great point that you made, right? Because I'm on LinkedIn a lot, right? And like you see, or even on TikTok or whatever, and they always talk about like the revenue number. Oh, I can help you build a seven figure business or help you make 15K a month. But yeah, that's a revenue number. But like how much are you actually keeping, right? Because I could have a 10K career coaching business next month if I wanted to. But if I would spend like 15K in ads to get there, that doesn't really help me, right?
0: Yeah, and that's the problem. And where I love, and if you haven't heard about the profit first system for a business, every business owner should read the profit first book. And it's doing the envelope system or cash flow management system. And really, the bottom line is, you know, how much are you keeping payroll for, to you as a business, right? And whether it's you're making ten thousand dollars a month, and it's for you, like just you and you get to keep 5,000 in OPEX and all that is, you know, that's a different thing. And you can scale a business in a healthy way and roll with punches too. But that's why I love Profit First because it's not just a money management system. It's a emotional health system
1: too. Go back to what you said about like relationships, you said, you said you work with a lot of married couples, right? And again, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes like you get one that doesn't want to deal with it and wants to spend how they want to spend because you have to change their habits as mm-hmm. well. One wants to nip it in the butt because if we don't solve this problem, we're going to be in more financial debt than we can handle. So how do you try to get people to get buy-in for like both parties?
0: Yeah. So I'm the spender in our relationship. My wife is not. And as you have both parties, she does the budgeting and the cash flow. Right. But we've created buckets. That are what we call mad money accounts that we can spend and use on however we want. Now mine has a little less than hers because I probably spend more, but that's I can look in that bucket and say exactly what I can do. And again, it goes back to our goals. Does it align with our goals? But at some point, sometimes, you know, I I again used to own a coffee shop, right? So don't like that whole like let's. Shrink our way to wealth by not buying a latte, right? Because I mean, that would have sucked for my business if no one bought lattes, right? But it was more of, okay, I value that. That's going to be part of what I put in there, right? That's part of my budget. And that's okay. You just got to know what you want, right? And that brings me joy. So going back to what is joy to you? Reverse architecting. Some people want a big house. That's great. But you're going to maybe not have the big vacations, right? And there's compromise. Or you got to make a lot of money and keep it.
1: Yeah. Again, like life's a trade-off. But again, with society now, you want to have their cake and eat it too, right? I think that's the phrase. But yeah. again, like you said, well, has, there's certain trade-offs in what you want, right? And the bank will tell you, oh, you can have your cake and eat it too at
0: 30% interest. And here you go. And then we wonder why we're in emotional problems. Like, well, they gave us what we wanted at a huge cost. And how's that working out? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. It's to look at some of our, the people around us or, or maybe our parents and say, okay, what was that? And is that going to lead me to where I want? Okay, No then let's, we got to change our behaviors. We don't have to be
1: the product of the people around us. We can change that. So speaking of change of behaviors, how would you suggest someone improve their like financial management skills to improve their overall mental health? Like, what are some steps that you would want someone to take away from our conversation today? Yeah, it's the
0: don't looking at it as dollar amounts, look at it as percentages, right? So as I live... And this is where people expand and they, and all the people who make more money, they spend more money. Well, a dollar, if I make a dollar, whether I'm underpaid or overpaid, doesn't matter. But I need to see, you ever heard the tithe model in, in church, right? So the tithe model is 10% of all it goes to God. It's a really great model, but let's say you don't tithe, right? But if you did, nine, it's then 90% and you live off of 90%. So then we call it the grandma strategy. Ten percent goes to long term, ten percent towards medium term, and ten percent towards short term. And you live off of sixty percent. That's you know the movement. What's interesting to me is people always freak out at Christmas time, and they're like, "Oh, my budget's all messed up because Christmas." I'm like, it comes every year, right? The same day every year. We could have like started preemptively planning in January. and But you might not start there. So So you start with 1% or 2% or 3%, whatever that is for you. And you incrementally adjust that and you'll get to where you want. But it's that 1% adjustment.
1: Yeah, like I think that one of the analogies is like in terms of like a boat, right? If you just went 1% degree to the right, for example, if you mm-hmm. keep going that way, like you'll completely miss your mark. Yep.
0: You need to like re-look and say, okay, are we on track? And
1: adjust. So your plan, like they'll look at dollars, look at percentages. That's great for someone that's like, for example, not in a lot of debt, but what if someone's in a lot of debt right now? How do those percentages change in the short term before they can get to that model that you've proposed? Yeah. Yeah. So some is
0: thinking a long range of how did you get there? One, maybe it was college, right? And maybe I was a ridiculous, a drunken sailor, if you will, right? And sometimes there's consequences to your actions. You're going to make, and it's going to be harder actually in the system. The financial system is built to keep us in poverty and in drag, right? I mean, I think that's By design, that was done that way. And so first is learning, understanding that those credit cards, one is stop bad behaviors. Maybe, again, I just said drink lattes, but if if you got in a bad position, maybe you need to lower that for a season, for a time. I don't know. But only you know where you're at and what are the sacrifices that you need to do to overcome that. And I've used like my life insurance policies that have helped people get out of debt, but it's not a quick fix kind of deal. It's a mindset shift and you have to like change behaviors. Like I've helped clients get out of high interest debt using their house and they ended up back in debt because they never actually did the exercise of paying themselves back or doing those kind of things. And I think that's an emotional and mental thing, not a money thing, right? But Absolutely. they are interconnected.
1: Yeah, for sure. And for you personally, what has been one big like financial challenge that you've had to overcome, like whether it's like a mindset shift or what have you, to get to where you are today financially? Yeah. I mean, both me and my wife came from
0: poverty, meaning like, you know, federal assistance, all that from family. My mom was a single mom. And so to come from here to where we're at, you know, are we super wealthy and billionaires? Not yet, but wealth is more than money to me. And I also have a four-year-old. So I'm like, man, look at where we are, but it's little steps over time that have gotten us here. And so I'm excited. I've made, you know, life is a winding road. I wish I would have known certain things when I was 20, but I probably wouldn't have listened to myself anyway. Right. So, you know, I did the coffee shop, but that was a great experience that cost a lot of money, but I didn't have to go to college for it. So I have a good bachelor's in business from School of Hard Knocks, right, and other things. So we've been able to use our experiences to help others. Really, the still method, what we do at Wealth Wisdom FP, it's all just saying, hey, this is what we learned. And if you have a good dashboard, like learning how to fly a plane, you got to know what plan is. And if you understand that, that's really important. But if you don't know the controls, And you just give up the controls to somebody else and say, get me there. That's going to cause problems. So I'm a one of, hey, let's take control of this.
1: And for someone that wants help in taking financial control of their life, how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah. So we have a
0: website, Wealth Wisdom FP. That's wealthwisdomfp.com. If you go to wealthwisdomfp.com slash community, we have a community platform through Mighty Networks. Max, you should totally join it. And it is a great community where we're just writing about things, our videos, our YouTube. The main thing I want people to know is, you know, find us or somebody. None of us have the answers, all the answers. It comes from within a, a lot. And you have to figure out to be the master of your own ship, but find the guides that can help you because mental health and money are interconnected and if we
1: don't think so look at the world around us right now Is speaking and of that like do you have any advice for people that are going through hard financial times with all going on right now like what's your advice for them
0: yeah the one is don't just think you're going to be a business owner and it's going to be easy too many people are like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna just quit my job and go work for somebody else in floors if that's what you have to do to do what you know there's there's jobs, there's people who are looking and do some of that, but also educate yourself and learn and do a side hustle until you can create your business. But I know there's a lot of business owners, the successful ones, is they will outwork you and outperform you and do all of that. And if you can do that, that's a powerful thing. But don't just think, Oh, if I start my own business, I don't have to work that much. I can work 20 hours instead of 40. I'm like, yeah, no, you work 60 instead of anyway, at least in the beginning. So
1: yeah, people say like, oh, like I can manage my own hours. I actually work less than all that, like passive income stuff. But again, like when you first start off, you, like, you actually have put a lot more in than a nine to five, 40 hour workweek job. Same
0: with the podcast, right? You probably didn't do it in a podcast for a while, and it's an act of love. And there's some people, I'm going to do one, and they've only lasted for four episodes or five. I'm like, no, it's they consistently showing up. And if you consistently show up in your life, in your business, for your family, you'll be healthy. But most of the time, people aren't even showing up for themselves. So show up.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like I find like the hardest thing to do is do things for yourself. Because like when you're at work, you have a boss like hounding you, right? Well, not hounding, but you know what I mean, right? Like if you don't do what they say, then uh, you could get fired. But like if you try to do things for yourself, if you don't do it, like no one is really going to blame you except yourself, right? But people are not going to take responsibility that way either.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of what I call them entrepreneurs out there. So I don't know if that's who your audience is, but a lot of people I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do that. The Instagram world, it sounds fun, but it's it is a lot of work, right? And so I understand it. And hey, if it means working for somebody else, that's okay too. Yeah, for sure. Like
1: again, like let's say hypothetically I get ten leads a week, right? I'm gonna get rejected at least seven to eight times, right? There are gonna be a lot of waste of time phone calls. So it's not all roses, right? So there is a lot of work and a lot of struggle and a lot of rejection. But it goes back to what you said, like you have to like love it. Yeah, you have to love the game pretty much.
0: Yeah. And I think you do a lot with helping people with their resumes, right? Yep. Yeah. So I will tell you, this is something really fun that is definitely related to what you do. Just last month, one of my staff, I was like, man, we're awesome. I got you and my other person. And then I was saying how awesome it was. And then six hours later, she gave her notice, right? Six hours. I was like... What what the heck? I thought we were going to make some progress, and then now we're back. And we already had the system in place, so I posted out the job, and then we had a few things in line. So if you're applying for a job, read the fine print and follow what they say, because there's usually tests in resumes. That's what I've seen, and are done. And so we posted. You know, write a cover letter or something like that. So we got somebody. And within two weeks, had somebody in place and taken over in that role. But they took initiative, they read, and they didn't just, say, hey, let's click it and do go on. But they were engaged. And if you want something, you'll get rejected. There's plenty of that. But it's the ones that show up and just keep standing back up.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's a great way to end our conversation. Again, I really appreciate the time, Brandon, and have a great weekend. You too. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening and until next time.